TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. The score! This hour is brought to you by CarX Tire and Auto. Online at CarX.com. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Last week he did. This week they got him with the ball. Just barely out wide. It's a perfectly thrown ball, but it's a little wide. It's one of those you almost needed to get up a touch earlier. Uh, what? Yeah, what the hell, man? What are, what are we what are we doing out there with some of this? <laughs> and then, I mean, I, I don't even know where to start, but let me just start with this. I don't... Whatever Skip Bayless wants to do, I mean, he he's just... He's a very, very, very strange man. I've I've, I've hosted shows with him. He's just odd. Wait, but, wait, wait. Really? I how did I forget this? When yeah. was this? Was this when he was still Weekend, a columnist? Yeah, here? weekend stuff when when he was writing for the Tribune. Did I produce one of those and shows? Maybe. When when I when I prevented him from getting in terrible trouble because of what he almost said about Dante Culpepper. Oh God. And I had to step in real quick. Hey, because like well, he's he's very different from some other. Uh, and I said, smaller college quarterbacks <laughs> saved his dumb ass because he wasn't going to say that, and he didn't realize that he talked himself right up to it. But he's just a very very odd dude. And now he's like this. Now he's the world's biggest cowboy fan. Now he's waving the pom poms for the cowboys and like taking videos of himself. Why are you? Why are you wearing shoes in your own kitchen? There's some weird stuff kind of going on, too, where you have, even though they don't work together anymore, Stephen A. and Skip basically doing the thing where they're... because because yeah. Stephen A's wearing the black cowboy hat and drinking out of a cup that says Cowboy Fan Tears and Skip's on Instagram and Twitter crying about the Cowboys. Like, it's a really weird dance that they're still doing, even though they're not partners anymore. And you got Shannon Sharp acting a fool at a, at a basketball game. And- See, how about that? How about the fact that Shannon had to apologize for what he did, whereas Skip, a few weeks ago, not apologizing at all. Um, I, I love Uncle Shannon. I'm not going to lie. He's one of my favorite people. When I was at Radio Row... A few years ago, he wasn't even scheduled, and he saw me, and he was saw he saw that I was doing a show by myself, and he's like, "Hey, young brother, right now," and he sat down, 
and we had a great interview. So I, I so I love Uncle Shannon. That thing was weird. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I mean, I get it. I I will say I don't like Dylan Brooks acting like Shannon Sharp's not a real dude. Like that bothered me. Like, like pretending the, I don't know who that guy is or who the hell is he. Yeah. The dis the disrespect was I was unsavory, and it seemed like. Even though I've learned to be bothered a little bit by this guy, it seemed like Ja's dad did a good job of diffusing things. Like, he kind of went over there. And have you seen Ja's dad? He looks just like Usher. It's it's kind of hilarious. Yeah, he does. I hadn't thought about that. He does. He and, looks exactly like and, him. Yeah. And he went over there, and I'm sure that at first, and then he was like, it's Uncle Shannon. Like, And then everything was cool. But that every, every, in our business, at the highest levels of it, like do do we need to do? I'm going to the Bulls game tonight. Like I'm actually I'm actually doing a show tonight from the United Center before tip off. Do I need to start acting fool? Yes. Is that what our show mm-hmm. needs? Yep. Is this how yep. we're going to catch I, Wojo? I, I want you trash talking <laughs> Trey Young all night. I want you. Do I have to do it in Spanish so we can <laughs> catch Wojo? Yes. Yeah. I want you to. That's it. That's your assignment. Is make a <laughs> spectacle of yourself trash talking Trey Young in nothing but the high Castilian. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be me and Lou Pinella. We'll be over there. and We'll be doing that. But you're saying the damn game. In in watching some of this, let's go back to last week. Yeah, before, and, the, and also the Tony Romo cut you played was was part of the weirdness. Well, I want to go back. Let's go back to last Saturday first, and then we can make it up to Tony Romo and whatever's going on with his hair or Tony Boozer or whatever else we fam. Um, listening to we had had this conversation. You and I were talking about Al Michaels and how we really appreciated Al Michaels talking about those Thursday night Amazon games like the rest of us were. Like, these are some dog-ass games. They're terrible. His candor is appreciated. Like, that's why we like him. Him being open about the gambling market. All those things are why we like him. What I didn't like is last Saturday, he checked out of that game. And I get it. It was a 27-0 game, and he's probably sitting there going, after all that, I make it back to NBC for a playoff game, and it's the same type of crap that I had to deal with on Thursday night. He wasn't helped by his partner on the broadcast, Tony Dungy, who doesn't really – he's never been someone that's lent himself to play-by-play. Studio analysts, you can make an argument for or against. Get him off my television. That's a whole nother thing. But I'm saying in the moment – there was nothing like they acted like that comeback was just like a stroll in the park. And on the touchdown where Jacksonville makes it all the way back and on the call of the field goal where they end up winning the game, it felt like Al had better places to be. And and it didn't come across well. And then he like when people were like, man, this is one of the greatest of all time. And right. You don't have to be Gus. But at least you're, you do have a job as a national play-by-play guy or person to be a conduit for the energy in the building. Agreed. You, you absolutely have a responsibility to translate that energy for your audience. So he got mad and was like, oh, well, obviously that's what the internet. I, I actually thought that they were valid, valid critiques of what he had done. And... And it made me sad because I I felt like for the first time ever in watching Al Michaels, 
forget about like whether he made a mistake or whatever. I felt like he didn't he didn't understand the assignment. And it was the first time like wow, like this is this is the guy that's at the top of of the industry and he kind of just checked out of it and I didn't like that. So now we get to this weekend. I'm not a huge Mike Tirico fan for reasons that don't have to do with his broadcasting ability. But I think that he's been an excellent partner for Chris Collinsworth. And for the most part, they've gotten the most out of it. And Tirico is that balance. Like Gus is on the other end of the extreme mm-hmm. where everything it's is a little much. And and for college football it, on a Saturday on a, two teams that are seven and and two, fine. You, you want to get excited about TCU football? Have at it. I think that they've struck the right tone in the way that they call games. And they they have made it so that I am invested as someone who is listening to the broadcast along with watching it. And then we start, let's throw some, you know what? We've been throwing arrows. Let's throw some more bouquets. Greg Olson has turned himself into a fine analyst. I loved his late clock management stuff where that's that's one of those guys that a coach has to have where he's already back-timed the math of everything. Like they got to hurry here or they're only going to have time for this or this if they do this. Like that that was advanced stuff. I can't do that in my head. And I loved having a broadcaster who was already thinking multiple moves ahead. He he handled it so well. And obviously, having played the position, he was speaking to some of the stuff that Dalton Schultz was doing at the end of the game. And what you doing? Big fella, what, Come on you, now. what you doing over there? And that lack of detail is another reason that you look at Mike McCarthy and you go, are your players really ready for these types of moments? I think that he's done a, a really, really good job. Third and one. That's not a trap play, but it is a first down. It'll stop the clock at 27 seconds. No, they're going to wind the clock. Yeah, you have to be going forwards if you're contacted going out of bounds. You've got to fight through that contact. They're going to run the play instead of spiking it. Prescott being chased. In trouble. Throws into traffic. Incomplete with 10 seconds left. Yeah, so let's go back to the Dalton Schultz catch where they wound they wound the clock. When you go out of bounds, you have to be going forwards if you are contacted by the defender. So you see how Dalton Schultz is kind of running sideways? Traverius Ward, he knows the rule. They coach that. You've got to turn up, be physical into contact, and get that official to stop the clock. He also made the point that when throwing the ball away, that the clock doesn't stop until the ball lands. It's not when the ball crosses the boundary. It's when it lands. And they did. They when you see you almost had a rookie mistake in there. He was terrific. And the all you want from an all I want. I know that it's maybe a little different for us because of what we do for a living. I want my analyst engaged. I want them telling me what happened on a particular play what could happen going forward, but I just want them to be there. I want them to be in the moment and and not just rely on the moment to be so big that it's going to carry them over, which brings me to Tony Romo. When Tony Romo walked into the job as the lead analyst for CBS, 
he was doing stuff that we weren't seeing from any other analyst. Well, and I, to be fair, when he was calling a play based on formation and calling likelihoods, it it it, it started to wear a little thin because it, it's fascinating. But it comes off as a bit of a parlor trick. Okay. And it ended up being more of a of a look at me rather than helping me understand why it was happening or what matchups were being exploited. It was cool. It was cool. Like, like I've had that experience watching a game sitting with someone who was calling out all the Bears plays because the Bears were so predictable and they could tell. And, and the, some people can do it on Twitter. But after a while, I, I know that I said, I need more than just that. There's more to analysis than just saying, here's what this play probably is. Well, I, I thought that in the, the first year, maybe the first two years of it, it, it was him being pretty good at the gig. And a lot of people were throwing flowers at him, and deservedly so. I feel like lately, it's become the Jim and Tony show, where they're just kind of playing grab ass, and they kind of think that's enough. And maybe when you're at the top of the mountain, like they are, maybe it is. Because Jim Nance is so connected with big game football and big game college basketball and big game golf. They all that matters is he's there. These are the types of things that we were talking about with Buck and Aikman during the season where obviously Troy Aikman has won three Super Bowls is in the hall of fame, but it almost feels like he stopped his education of the game with what it was he was doing when he was playing. And so stuff that happens with clock management or win probability, people going for it on fourth downs in, in certain situations perplexes him in a way that at this point it should not. You should not be so proud to go, oh, I, I take the three points here. Then that happened to him two weeks ago where he's like, I take the points here. Immediately a touchdown is scored on a fourth down play in the wild card game uh, with, with Tampa. And you go, you don't have to what who are you lobbying? Like who do you feel like you're speaking to when you're Mike McCarthy? Well, he he could use a lot of help. But but I wish that Romo would I he's got to find the nexus between having fun with his partner, which is key. I want that with him analyzing the game. Like give it give give me the stuff. Well, one last thought as we put a button on this, too, that when the Chiefs were playing against the Jaguars, there were a lot of people memeing what was going on, and, and Twitter was having fun with the fact that Chris Collinsworth had a set idea in his mind of what a pass from Patrick Mahomes is or a decision that he makes as opposed to one that Trevor Lawrence or apparently anybody else would make. And the same ball or the same slightly misplaced ball, one would be praised as brilliant, visionary, athletically gifted, and the other, what is he doing? He'll have to improve. He's just young. He'll get better. And I'm thinking it's that's the same throw there, dude. Just be, be – I know you have got narratives. I know you've got thoughts, but just be honest about about what's happening in front of you. I felt like by the end of the game, he had been turned. And by the end of the game, he was talking about Trevor Lawrence in a way, because I think he even said, man, we're going to see this. 
with these two guys for a really, really long time. But you're right. And, and I mean, look, I get it. Patrick Mahomes does stuff where you just like, wait, what? You almost need a replay of like, wait, he threw that with his left hand or he jumped off of his left foot to throw a ball 20 yards down the middle of the field or find a guy in the back of the end zone. He's so, he's almost indescribable. Some of the stuff that he does and you wouldn't coach any other quarterback to do it that way. So, but all of these guys have been influenced by him and you can see it. You can see whether it's Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or, or, um, Jalen Hurts, when these guys are out here like, hey, I might be able to do this with my arm and fit it around the linebacker to the open. Or that Matthew Stafford's been doing that too. Well, he's, yes, he has been the drop down king for a really long time, but not as effective. And now all these guys are like, I can do that. Justin Fields is literally doing a lot of that Patrick Mahomes stuff. And I'm sure that he was sitting there at Ohio State being like, Huh. I wonder what would happen if I tried that. I could do that. And then you get innovation. It's beautiful. I just want all I want is is for when we've got these games and these big games, I want an engaged analyst. And even if there are mistakes to be, you don't have to throw a perfect game for me like Olsen did yesterday. But just be there, be in the moment and understand that your your audience wants to feel the excitement of what it's like to call a big game. One last thing about something on my television all weekend. Is it Tony Romo's hair dye? It's not. Pa- Paul Giamatti. <laughs> I love you, man. You are you are a hell of an actor in everything that you do, whether it's the Howard Stern movie or Sideways or Billions. Or, or Big Mama's House. Anything else that Paul Giamatti has done. But I hope you spent that money well. Because for an actor of that quality to do that horrible, and Albert Einstein, whatever you're trying to do, I mean, it's got to be intentionally bad to make some sort of commentary on on crass commercialism and, and the very idea of endorsements. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, and someday I hope you can tell us why that is what it is. But man, I hope you built yourself a nice lake house. Or got yourself that that Aston Martin or whatever you wanted because we oh is that bad? Do you think that there's a, are this is a series of commercials? I don't think? know. You think there's gonna be another one? I don't know. But mm-hmm. shout out to longtime White Sox fan Cecily Strong, by the way, who is also in those commercials. Chicago's very own, I guess, technically Oak Park's very own. When we come back, Dan Hayes is going to explain why, oh, why the Minnesota Twins would trade away a notorious Sox killer in Luis Arise. Next on the score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on and podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. 
See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Station, 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 Station. My body feels great. I played throughout the whole season, um, never felt better. Um, so, yeah, it was surprising. Um, but that led me here, uh, back to the Twins, and uh, I couldn't be more happier. Uh, my family's very happy. Uh, Daniel is excited. Um, Kylo is going to grow up to be Minnesota nice, which I love. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, we're, we're very excited. I get more Juicy Lucy's also. <laughs> Carlos Correa playing to the home crowd as a Minnesota twin. So what are they doing? What are the twins doing? Let's ask Dan Hayes. He's on Twitter at Dan Hayes MLB, the twins writer at The Athletic, formerly here of Chicago. And he joins us now on the Score Hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Hey, Dan, how are you? I'm good. Hey, you know what? The sun is out here today. Uh, I'm still here in Chicago, and and it's nice to see that uh, blue sky a little bit. It's actually nice today. Yeah, so. we we were just marveling about that during the break. That it looks like the sun is out at least for a little bit, and every little bit helps when you're in a stretch of not seeing the sun for a very very long time. Um, Dan, thanks for joining us. As Dan said, I I wanted to know about this move with Luis Arise. I I got to tell you, when it came across on Friday, I was shocked. Now, since reading your piece in The Athletic and and listening to some other people on the subject, I, I think I have a better sense for why they did it. But why did they do it? Yeah, it, it can be a little bit um, confusing just because players like Luis Arise are so rare in the game. Um, you, you look and see guys with that kind of batting average that put the ball in play, um, they're, they're definitely the, uh, they're rare compared to the rest of the field. You know, we're so caught up in on base and, and home runs and three true outcomes. And Luis Arise is a singles doubles guy, but, um, the twins, I don't think they made this move lightly, but they, they really needed starting pitching. Um, and, and they, you know, they've got three free agents at, after this year, Sonny Gray, Kenta Maeda, Tyler Malley, you know, in three of the last four years, they've had to go out and add at least three starting pitchers every year. Um, I think they're tired of that. And Pablo Lopez brings some nasty stuff. Um, and he's also got, you know, two years till free agency. And they want to extend their win window as much as possible now that Carlos Correa is back. But, you know, there's a little bit more to it. Um, I think they're really worried that Luis Arise is going to break down. You know, he's he's had leg issues, knee issues for the last six years. Uh, he had torn ACL in in 2017, wiped out his entire season. He's been on the IL a bunch of times with with knee stuff. And, you know, he's only 26. Um, Last year, he spent the entire offseason, I think he spent like seven weeks working out with Nelson Cruz and getting rid of body fat and and building up his legs. And and he was in fantastic shape. And uh, even then, he wore down and had hamstring issues in the – at the end of the season, I don't know if you guys uh, remember, we was chasing the batting title against Darren Judge and was having to sit out a few games just because his hamstrings were killing him. And I, I think they think all those issues, the fact that he doesn't really have a real defensive position, there are not a lot of 5'8 first basemen in baseball. Um, I, I think when you look at all those things, they felt like they were selling high and able to get a really good starting pitcher 
and two really intriguing prospects along the way. On that point of selling high, the analysis from Joe Sheehan in his subscription newsletter points out that as good as our eyes was last year, it's about as good a hitter as he can be. He doesn't hit the ball hard. His max exit velocity, a key indicator for projecting future hitting value, is in the bottom third of MLB, and he out-hit his batted ball quality last year by about 20 points. So the difference between him hitting 316 and 296 is a lot of his value, and he might give back 25 points of batting average if you look at most projection systems, which means he's not an impact hitter or an impact player. Yeah, look, the one thing I I think is, look, uh, there's a great example in Chicago. Tim Anderson is a guy that, hey, you know what, his BABIP, one day it's going to catch up to him, right? We've always talked about that. And he's always putting the balls in play and has this incredibly high average for a guy that does it as much. When he is going as well as he can, you you think it's going to go. You think it's going to drop. But I I do think that Arise can have sustained success just because he uses the whole field, unlike most guys. And I really think that... He is uh, definitely a smart hitter. Um, his ability to control the strike zone is is pretty unparalleled. You look at him and, and the way he will shake off pitches, and um, he, he just has so much confidence. And, and there is some serious value that he brings to a team because I can tell you, anytime you see him get to the plate in the ninth inning, you, you think the game is going to be extended. And there's value in that. Um, it, it's happened so many times. So it's a trade-off because, without question, it could fall apart very easily, and we've seen it fall apart a little bit when he is injured. He's not quite the hitter he was last year. Uh, I still think there's a place for guys like this in lineups. Uh, The Twins lineup is going to look a lot different without him, and and right now trying to figure out who the guys are on the the front half. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if we saw Byron Buxton leading off and Carlos Correa hitting second, you know, guys that get on base a lot being loaded up towards the top. But, um, you know, the, it, it's a it's a trade-off because the Twins have had real trouble developing homegrown starting pitching, and that's surfaced here. And it cost them in a way they, they probably would have preferred not to. But at the same time, you know, I, I think that that positional issue was so real for them with him. Uh, last year he played, I think, 40 games at second base, about 65 to 68 at first. He played a handful at third. He was a disaster at third. Uh, when they put him in the outfield, it's not been good, and they, they don't think that his legs could hold up to being an outfielder. So it really is an issue, and, and he doesn't quite hit enough to be a DH. I mean, I know that you know DH is, with with so many more now, with, with the National League involved, we're going to see the OPSs probably drop a little bit just because I don't know if there are 30 amazing hitters that way. You know, It used to be a lot easier to have just the 15 best in the American League. I think OPS production will drop from DHs a little bit, and so maybe that makes him a little bit more feasible, but you still have a guy who's hitting eight home runs, maybe maxing out around 50 RBIs, and in a designated hitter role, um, that's that's a little light, it seems, and, and they were willing to move on. How surprised were you that Carlos Correa found his way back to the Twin Cities? Um, you got the bleep button ready? <laughs> that was uh, that was shocking. Like It, it really was because... So many twists and turns had to happen, and and I knew the Twins were um, trying to stay in the race behind the scenes. They had a lot of Correa's family truly did love being up there. You know, I know it's cold, I know it's Minnesota, but 
they treated the family like kings last year. You know, Carlos talked about how his dad and his uh, father-in-law both went to the ballpark with him every day, and they basically had all-access passes. Um, they were, you know, on the field during BP. They were uh, on road trips with close seats. You know, everything the Twins could do to, to make the family happy, they knew that was a big motivating factor. So, you know, it doesn't shock me that they were able to stay in it. But, you know, when you look at what happened with the Giants and the Mets, uh, especially when Steve Cohen made the public comments in the New York Post, that's hard to get out of. It wouldn't shock me if we see a, a grievance filed um, because, you know, Carlos Correa still did end up coming up with, you know, $115 million guaranteed fewer dollars going to the Twins. Um, you know, when, when Cohen commented, it, it seemed like it was pretty much over. And, you know, we, we've seen him throw money around, um, and he gets what he wants. And for that to fall apart was definitely shocking. So um, once those two were out of the way, it didn't surprise me because I think he wanted to go somewhere where he was comfortable and he felt extremely comfortable last year with the twins. And I, he, he likes the young guys they have coming. Uh, they do have a pretty interesting farm system towards the top and, and uh, they always develop position players. He, he knows there's a lot of talent coming. So I think he sees a decent future there. Um, and, you know, let's be honest, it's probably the division you want to play in um, the most. If you, if you think I want a shot, you know, you look at, NL West and the Dodgers and the Padres are, are loaded. You look at the NL East and the Mets and the uh, Braves are, are loaded, and there's just so many teams there. AL East, you're going to get outspent uh, by the Yankees or the Red Sox. Um, I, I think the AL Central is not a bad spot if you're looking to make the postseason um, and be one of those six teams. Speaking of the division, we know what the Cleveland Guardians thought about the Chicago White Sox because they really made it quite clear in how little respect they had for them and how they wanted to rub the White Sox nose in it. And the way they played against them certainly evinced that. Now that Pedro Griffol has been hired by the White Sox, he's been very candid about, frankly, the, the lack of respect that his former team had for the White Sox and the way they played and how they approached the game. What do you get? What's the feeling you get, maybe expressly or not, from the Twins about what the White Sox were and what they might fear they might be? Yeah, you know, I mean, you look at it, there's so much talent there. Um, and for whatever reason, it wasn't kind of happening. But it's funny, last year, throughout the season, the Twins thought their their primary competition was the White Sox, that somehow they would snap out of the slumber and, and, and get into it. They they were not as concerned about Cleveland. and. So, you know, that just tells me who knows because Cleveland obviously was really um, – that was a fun story to watch. And they were sort of reminiscent to me of the mid-decade uh, Royals, uh, you know, last where, where they put the ball in play and they just pestered pitchers and they had good pitching and they could win tight games. Um, I, I, I think still the, the belief has to be – that the White Sox, if they can put it together, uh, have some incredible talent. And, you know, I know there's some mismatched parts and and that it's not a perfect roster, but it's a really good rotation, uh, potentially. It's a really good lineup, potentially. And, uh, you know, I don't think the Twins think right now that they are the division leaders uh, or the team that should be looked at as the division leaders by any any. Uh, you know, I, I just think that everybody looks at this and says this is a three-team race um, and that 
there's a chance that the White Sox can turn things around. You know, new blood is always a good thing to kind of get things going. We've we've seen it before, and and you know, when you look at it, there's just so much talent there. So it's going to be a, a interesting season. And um, the the good part is for all three of these teams, they're you know, it doesn't just have to be the AL Central winner. You know, that sixth playoff spot helps a lot. And who knows? Because that's all you got to do these days, it seems like, is, is get in. And um, all three of them are interesting clubs for sure. Dan Hayes, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Right. Thanks, guys. That's Dan Hayes, Twins writer at The Athletic. Next up, we are expecting to have a conversation with brand new Cub Trey Mancini. So keep it here. We're Bernstein and Holmes on the score. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. This is so weird, Mike Rankin. This this song, New Kid in Town by the Eagles. Okay? Johnny Come Lately, New Kid in Town. You know how we just heard Lynn Bramer, we replayed him talking about revisiting songs that have been familiar to you and hearing them differently? Yeah. I was in my car the other day, and this came on. And I, it's been forever since I listened to it start to finish. And I just... I, it, and I, I went in and I said something to my wife because she had my wife. And I, I said, "Hey, when's the last time you heard the Eagles' new kid in town?" She's like, "I, I don't know. I, don't, I just said it. I, I really think it's a better song than I ever gave it credit for. Just the way it's structured. There are some very interesting tensions and resolutions in the chord progressions that are they're kind of complex. I'm not a big music theory guy, but it's just the way it sounds to my ear. And, and she's she looked at me like, uh. Okay. All right. I'll be over here now. It's probably because of the randomness of it. I feel like you ran in there like Doc Brown. Hey, hey, what's the last time you heard this song? It wasn't song? quite that extreme, but yes, I get passionate about things. like And she, she's like, you weirdo, what the hell are you talking about? Fine, I get, whatever, man. That's probably and, what you were experiencing, Dan. I think Jason took out one earbud. It was like, what is what is he He's talking like, about? Oh, Don't not worry him yeah, again. You're, you're right, earbud goes back in. But it really is. It's, it's a good, but this is one of these things. It's like how... My my TV I was it was starting to hear things and I'm you know how like your Google algorithm or whatever you find all the stuff that you ordered and now everywhere I look they're trying to sell me hockey equipment and skate blades and all that and now it's sort of crept into my smart TV yeah and I, well I th- now they're going to be sending you Eagles box sets right I thought Rankin now was part of the damn algorithm and he's finding out what songs I'm enjoying ah it is the damn Matrix meanwhile there is a new kid in town. I know that's why he was playing it. Yes, and he's, he's not exactly a kid. Well, you know, but he's going to be playing the outfield and first base and DHing for the Cubs. At least that's what the press release said. So I figured we should probably ask him about that. Well, let's do it. Trey Mancini joins us on the Score Hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Hello, Trey. How are you? Doing well, guys. How are you? We're doing really well. What what made you decide that you wanted to be a Cub? Uh, it, it's a fantastic fit, honestly. Um, you know, it's somewhere that um, from the second that I heard that, that they were interested earlier on in the offseason, um, something that I was hoping would come to fruition. I think, um, you know, I have the ability to play in a lot of different places for the team and, and 
Um, you know, especially with a lot of the signings that have been made this off season, it's it's a really exciting place to play. Um, you know, and and it's just an iconic franchise. So so to be playing for the Cubs is a dream come true for me. Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at these Wrigley Field numbers, and I'm having nothing but second thoughts. I mean, come on. <laughs> Yeah, ten plate appearances and and what? You're batting one twenty five with an OPS of five fifty. What the hell are we getting here? Right, right. I uh, yeah, it was a yeah tough couple tough couple days, but I scratched out a double. Luckily, uh, my last at bat there, so it left a good taste in my mouth. All right, that's good. Okay, good. Because but and there are some who say that it doesn't take long to to experience Wrigley and to understand once you once you get the sight lines, especially playing the outfield, because there are some there are some quirks going on out there with the well and, yeah. and the way things change around. How how comfortable are you going to be? Um, I'm I'm good with it. I'm you know very comfortable with it, and and Houston certainly had some quirks out there too, and and um. You know, Baltimore had a, an interesting wall and in right that I played on. So no, that that doesn't bother me at all. I'm I'm good to play anywhere. How do you determine with the the manager in this case Rossi on how he's going to deploy you from day to day? Like how how, how does that work when you are capable of playing multiple positions? Um, it could possibly depend on who's throwing for the other team, I'm guessing. Um, but you know, he told me I'm going to move around, you know, I'll, I'll be DHing, um, playing first some playing in the outfield some. And I, you know, told him I'm great with it, wherever you want to put me, you know, I'm good. I'll be out there ready to go. So some people need to know like the plan for the week. So you can at least understand I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here. And and they're you know, veteran professionals. Just say, give me some lead time. You're, it doesn't necessarily have to be the case with you. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, you know, my, my first uh, taste of the, of the majors and, and my first few years, um, you know, I was lucky enough to play for, for Buck Showalter and um, you know, Buck, I'd say is a little more, um, old school in the fact that you didn't know where you were playing until four hours before the game, you know, so that's what I was used to, um, you know, in the first few years of my career. So, um, yeah, I don't really need much forewarning or, or anything like that. Even if there's a last second lineup change, I'm, I'm good with it. You know, I'll, I'll play wherever. Trey, what was it like for you to leave Baltimore considering like all the great moments that you had had there and then they go on to success and then you go on to success. So it looks like it worked out for everyone, but was it difficult to leave? Yeah, you know, I, I obviously was so close with all the guys on the team and, and everybody in the organization. I, I had been there for a long time. It was my 10th season in the organization. Um, if you go back to when I was drafted by them in 2013. So, um, you know, I was the longest tenured guy there and, and, um, had gotten so close, you know, and the team was really meshing and um, we were firing on all cylinders. So uh, as tough as it was to get traded at that point in the season, I was still, you know, so happy for them and so proud of them of the way that they kept playing, even after um, Lopez, Jorge Lopez also got traded, uh, after, you know, the way that they performed after Lopi and I got traded and, and going to Houston was an absolutely incredible experience too. You know, it was a lot different than being one of the, oldest longest tenured guys to um you know to that team a very veteran team and and um it was really cool to kind of see both sides of it are you still committed to playing for team italy in the wbc you know i i was asked that today um you know and, and i had been asked that last year and i i was you know planning on playing for team italy and um you know when i signed with the cubs 
um, you know, we had had some conversations and, um, you know, I, and I thought it would probably be best for me to be in spring training with the team. I, you know, I need to get to know the guys, um, you know, I'm expected to be a good, you know, a big veteran presence on this team, provide the guys with a lot of, you know, some of my knowledge experience. And, and again, spring training is where you get to know the guys and really bond as a team. Um, you know, and I feel like I need to be there. Um, so I, I think that I'm going to need to be in Arizona for the, for the full spring. All right. F- fair enough. Well, Dan and I have conversations. We we were here when Dusty Baker was the manager of the Cubs, and we've seen how even he has evolved as a manager. What was it like playing for Dusty, and, and what was it like being a part of the, the team that brings him a World Series ring? Uh, it was absolutely, it was amazing. Um, he was the manager of the Cubs, like, way back. I In 04, I went to some games that summer. I believe he was the manager then. You know, games such a long time. He's managed, um, you know, so many legends, and he played with so many legends, and he himself is one, too. So um, it's just so cool to get to play for him. And, and, yeah, to be on the team that finally got him a World Series as a manager was was also incredible and made it that much sweeter when we won you know we were so happy for him and um you know it was kind of the last box we feel like he needed to check off because he won one or he had won at least one as a player i believe but but not as a manager and he had been there quite a few times so um you know what an experience to get to to be a part of that with him who played a role in your recruitment to the Cubs? I know obviously team talks to agent, but sometimes there might be somebody else uh, sending a little text and saying, hey, you know, somebody you know urging you to, to give it a little extra thought. You know, there, there wasn't a whole lot. I, I mean, the Cubs speak for themselves. Um, and I'm, I'm friends with Michael Givens, who actually, funny enough, just re-signed with the Orioles. But I remember last summer when we were playing against each other, he said, if you have an opportunity to come here, you need to. He's like, it is, you know, first class all the way around and um, couldn't say enough about it. And I've heard that from everybody that's played for the Cubs. And I talked to Rossi briefly a little bit before I signed and we were hoping that it was going to work out. And, and, you know, after talking to him, I, he's somebody that, you know, you just obviously really want to play for. So I'm so happy it worked out. Um, but like I said, um, the organization speaks for itself. Well, congratulations on signing with the Cubs. This is a pretty cool thing that's happened and what they've built over the last couple of weeks. When you look at the roster and look at the additions, including yourself, what are you hoping gets accomplished over the next couple of years? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, look at the the signings that have been made this offseason. It's it's impressive. Um, You know, a lot of difference makers um, have been signed and, like we were just talking about a few minutes ago with the Orioles last year, we were projected to have around 60 wins. I remember Um, they ended up with, with 83. When you have a lot of really good young talent um, that might not be quite as experienced, then you take some of the guys that have been around the game for a long time. um, A lot of times, like it just can mesh so well. And that's what happened in Baltimore last year. And so I've been part of it firsthand. Um, you know, and I, I played against the Cubs last year and, and saw what a lot of these, um, you know, what these guys can do. And I think it's going to be a really good mix. So, um, you know, I think it can be a very quick turnaround, and that's what we're all hoping for. Trey, appreciate the time. Just uh, make sure you take care of our guy, Ian Happ. He's a very good friend of the show. That's, uh, that, that's oh, our dude. All right, great. Yeah, I, I, played, uh, I played Ian in college, actually. He was at Cincy. 
um, when I was at Notre Dame. So, um, yeah, he, he took us deep a couple times. I remember that. Well, and Notre Dame baseball has the connection here with the current Bears tight end, too. Don't forget uh, you know, Cole, Cole, yes, Cole yes. Komet, right? Your guy. Very much so. Yeah, Komet. You got Komet, you got Chase Claypool. Like, there's a whole little thing that's going yeah. on. Yeah, Komet was supposedly yeah. through like 95, 96, something like that. Yeah, you know? he could he could bring yeah, the heat. Yeah. But, yeah, man, we never want to leave the Midwest. We always want to come back. So, here we are. Trey, appreciate it much. Thank you. Good luck. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. That is Trey Mancini of the Cubs. Now, look, Trey's from Florida, right? Isn't he, isn't he from Florida? Originally? Am I am I crazy, or does he sound like a hockey player? There's a, yeah, he's from yeah, Winter. I, I, I could co-sign that, Lawrence. Winter Haven, so. Florida. He's, he sounds, it sounds like we're talking to someone who just signed with the Blackhawks. And where are you from? Um, Banff. <laughs> From Banff, Alberta? Yeah, I'm from Moose Jaw. <laughs> I love it. How about this? What what the, the Cubs have done, they brought in some really likable guys. Yep. 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 For their team. It'll be fun. Good for them. I like I enjoyed that conversation quite a bit. Will hockey tray, old Pucks Mancini over here. Next up, Dan Wiederer will give us football thoughts on the score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported. 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.